All right, everybody, Jack and I are actually at a conference with a group of state leaders. And um, in this conversation, we covered a variety of stories. We talked about breaches, stories from experience and from the trenches. We offer some words of wisdoms, but most importantly, we wanted to hear what it sounded like. And this is part three of three of the series. And we hope you enjoy it. You know, I, I want us to make sure that we take a step back and see if any of you have any questions. So we've been yammering for a little while, you know, with an audience of the skills that exist here. Do any of you have any questions about security, stuff you run into, events you've seen, practices you question, why is our industry so screwed up, whatever? Yes. What makes you an interesting target, right? So the reconnaissance, the automated reconnaissance. Uh, so having a valuable asset or something someone considers valuable for whatever reason, be political or whatever it may be, right? Actually, financial value or being able to discredit you. But also then how easy it is it to, to be able to get to defacing it or stealing it, whatever, whatever the, that's the goal may be. Now, you also touched on the hospital thing that, and I think this is a state government issue as well, it's systemic, um, you, you know, no segregation. Um, easy to, you know, whether whether it be an evil twin for Wi-Fi that gets you in so you can see the actual Wi-Fi password associated with the SSID, getting in, no VLAN separation, 20,000 systems, whatever, okay. Real in the state government, right, obviously. I think systemically, because of the same reasons that you, in your use case for the hospital, well, we didn't have money for IT, for IS, information security. Have you seen in your experiences uh, when approaching executive level uh, success with being able to use these types of historic examples and shaping the mindset around increasing budget allocations for things like security architecture uh, assessments? Because it's we all know that, especially within state government, security professionals don't typically grow on trees and forts all families, right? So, um, a lot of these entities, they need outside in support to be able to take a, a, a real concerted approach towards addressing these types of things. What types of successes have you seen at that, that sea level? So, like one of the most rewarding things I've done at New Harbor in the last 12 or 18 months is taking a pile of security information that we delivered to one of our statewide CIOs, right? And not the state, the statewide CIO and basically distilled out of information that was provided by endpoint logs and gateway behaviors, both email gateway behaviors and outbound exfil analysis. And he had to go speak in front of the state legislature to do justification for funding because he was looking for exactly what you're describing, more budget to do more goodness. And he'd asked the question, you know, how do we describe this in a way that they'll understand? Because as most of you would expect, security data can be pretty Byzantine. It has its own language. But it turned out if you distilled it up, what ended up happening was they had blocked 30 or 40,000 malicious emails from actually getting to their destination. They had identified a couple of hundred of infected machines on the internal network by their attempts to con contact malicious CNC outside the walls. And they had also blocked an almost infinite amount of traffic, typical reconnaissance traffic that was happening on it, and a couple of other smaller things. And so when asked to present to the legislature, the whole double bodies, he described these things. He described these five or six things in specific terms and said, this is what we've done so far. And in order to keep doing this, we need to be able to invest more in different places to make the same kind of coverage that made this effective happen other places inside the state. 
big city newspaper, he's in it. The legislators are talking about it, and now he has the support that he needs. So what's the big difference there, right? If I tell you that your next-door neighbor just got robbed, you may be a little bit more sensitized to your own security, but not necessarily all the way. You might say, yeah, you know what? He always leaves his garage open because he takes the bike in and out at night, right? And you'll come up with reasons. I, the example I always use is that everybody buys lottery tickets, nobody buys life insurance, right? Because nobody thinks they're going to die and everybody thinks they're going to win. People gravitate intellectually towards positive outcomes, right? By giving a security leader, an IT leader, security information that shows the benefits of what has been done, not the avoidance of badness, but the benefits of what's been done that happen to be measurable avoidance of badness, it gives a leg to stand on because everybody wants to make it better. You know, I think a lot of what our responsibility is as someone who's trying to help out a little bit is to give you the information of all the successes that the hard work is generating because those successes are what generate additional funding. It's not avoiding a badness. Here's a great question. When I was, I was head of advanced security for a while at IBM, right? So I had a board of advisors for all the uh, CISOs from the biggest companies in the world. And the common refrain was, help us tell the story because we didn't get breached last year, we didn't get breached this year, and I can't tell them if there's any relationship between what we spent and those two facts. And that started me off you know, years ago now on a mission, right, to figure out how do we tell that story in a positive way of all the benefits of hard work of people like y'all do to get the system buttoned down in such a way that it still provides the functionality that your users need, but it does not expose you to risk and it's provable because of the goodness that you can demonstrate. So for me, that's been, that's been the most effective message is a consistent demonstration of value in a language that people who aren't geeks understand so that they feel comfortable giving money for something they're buying. I think that what are the KPIs that actually represent nothing happening being a really good reason to continue to invest in this area? Yeah, I mean, 100%. And, you know, for me, the difficult thing for all y'all work in security is the only time executive management typically hears from you is when something sucks. If the only time they're seeing you is the day where you're giving them bad news, they never want to see you because if you don't show up, no bad news, right? If instead there's a balance, most of the time you're giving them good news. Look at all the goodness that's happening. Oh, I told you this might happen because we didn't have coverage. It happened. It's a very, very different discussion. How about you? Where, what have you seen yeah. effective? I just want to go back to the your first part of the question, which was what what makes someone a good target? And then I'm just going to come right yeah. back to this one. I put it in three camps myself. When I look back at all of the threat actors that we've seen over the last 24 months, it's either they're in the camp where there's a fiscal and financial motivation. Typically, we see those coming out of European countries. The second one is espionage trade secrets, patents, research, typically see those coming out of the Asia Pacific regions. And the third one says best characterized from the quote from Batman where Alfred's talking with Bruce Wayne. He says, Bruce, sometimes people just want to see the world burn. And I would put everything else in that third category. The people, they've got other motivations for their own personal interests and some people just thrive in chaos. Like they like the idea of creating public distrust, right? I wish it wasn't so, but it is. It's true. The less difficulty that you put in the way of their motive and your asset, the more attractive you become, right? The, the, more, the more time and money and investment it takes for them to get to what they want, the less desirable you become. Yeah, I think that's true in most cases. 
when you have like a targeted nation state where like their sole purpose is to you know seek information that gives them some type of advantage like let's just call it espionage for now and it's it's a nation state and there's nation state dollars behind it and they're paying people to try to climb that wall they'll just stick with it but i th- i think your point is still accurate though like it's still true is saying if you delay them long enough right it uh, gives you a better footing on to defend and i kind of come back to like the binary decision and comment that i made earlier saying really like they might know how they're going to get in or how how they think they're going to get in but really they're also just testing they're testing how you respond they're testing your technology and um it's a little bit like displacing water because like there's water in this bottle and i may crush it may crush this bottle but it doesn't mean like the water goes away like it just moves over to someplace else and now I've, instead of a leak here i've got a leak over there it's like an organism but the one piece i want to com- come back to was um i see more leaders looking for a couple things today especially when it comes to like budget funding is um one immutable fact they like to tell stories mm-hmm. Right, like they need a some a story that they can attach themselves to, and that could be a story of success, right? And that could be a story of how you defended against this, or a story of how you discovered this thing. The idea of like fear, uncertainty, and doubt is seemingly becoming less so, right? Like people are pretty are becoming pretty numb to some of those things. And if you heard my presentation this morning, it was like cut that all out. Like if you can hit delete on anything that creates fear, uncertainty, and doubt, like do it. Like, let's get back down to, like, the facts and clarity of information so that we can make informed decision. So that's one. The second one is people are now being, they have budget dollars available to us. They're being scrutinized a little bit more as to where those dollars are going. And for good reason, right? It's saying they now, we have added budget for cyber. It's an opportunity to make a change. And they want to be able to go back and tell a story of how those dollars made a difference, right? So that's two. And the third one is saying proof of execution probably goes hand in hand with the second one, right? Of saying, if you've been given an opportunity or you have been given budget dollars to do whatever it is you're gonna do, a track record of execution usually greases the skids a little bit when you come back in and you ask for a second round. And I always come from the standpoint of like the best security is transparent security. It's the security like you don't even know it's there, right? It's the, it's the same thing with IT, right? Like you know your systems are good when they just operate and you, you don't even know they're there. It's seamless, right? And it's when people start getting on your back about, you know, SLAs and, you know, system wasn't available or this didn't work. Like now they see the technology and they see it's not working. And it's the same thing with cyber too. I'm going to riff on just something that Justin just said that I think is really useful in terms of being able to sort of make it happen, a provable execution. I'd also tell you that the people who have more success don't try to eat Mount Fuji all at once. They don't say, all right, here's what I envision is our necessary future state for security. So I need $25 million to make it go. And ultimately, end of the day, that person saw their budget double to one-tenth what they asked for. Think about that math budget doubled to one-tenth of their request. So that's an organization which was like, here's all the things we should do, where should is defined by some beautiful, pristine cybersecurity architecture that solves every problem they're expecting to see over the course of multiple years, versus I need a little dough to try out this theory to make things a little bit more secure. We'll see how that works out. And then on and on and on. Because I can tell you, we have you know many other clients who 
And it's the nature of spending sometimes, and sometimes it's the nature of trust, right? And managed services are definitely a trust business. You start off with some. You make sure you take the time to measure proof of performance. You make sure you're measuring how things are getting better so you can go back over and over and over again. So maybe the the way I'd say it is, I think organizations succeed at funding best when they have a multi-year target that they expect to get to. They don't have to tell anybody about it but they have a multi-year target and they can feel successful getting there. And I know, and again, back to why your jobs are so hard. That's especially hard in a place where election cycles make a difference in terms of decision makers and budget and planning, right? Different kind of world. And so you just have to be thinking through all of that. You know, we have some clients who are trying to do really important, maybe not the most expensive things, but strategic, strategic things that will be hard to pull out. They're important and hard to pull out because they have a real passion for making security better. And someone would have to come along, and this is a fact, nobody wants to come in and say, we don't need that security thing anymore. That's a very, very hard statement to make because the instant that you get discovered by something that's automated and maybe has nothing to do with it, it's not, it's your neck, right? You remove the security thing and someone will say that's the reason why the badness happened, right? So if you can start these programs at a reasonable level, grow them up, you'll also not be forced to work nights and weekends for the rest of your life trying to overachieve. You can find yourself to a position where the funding may come a little bit more, e- or a little bit easier, especially when you get to the out years where you're looking for the bigger number. And what's great about it is, you know, the, the corollary, and it's not about sort of the attacker and the funding, it's about being better at cybersecurity, right? We seldom talk about what success means for cybersecurity professionals. It doesn't mean making sure nobody ever breaks in because nobody's ever done it, right? Cybersecurity professionals are rewarded for doing what they say they're going to do and finding a way to measure it. And sometimes just the act of forcing yourself, to, it's like test-driven development. It's, it's forcing yourself to a mental state that says, I'm going to do security for the following reason and here's how I'm going to test to see if I got there. That level of rigor is really good as opposed to when a vendor shows up and says, I have a new endpoint solution or I have a new network solution or I have a new authentication solution. And you're like, yeah, it sounds better. I'll have better authentication. There's my goal. Good stuff, thank you. Very well, thanks for asking. What did you tell our directors so we know what to expect? <laughs> <laughs> you talking about the presentation this morning? Yes, sir. This morning was about making cybersecurity easier. In short, it's super hard to understand. You ask three different people the same question, what is cyber, you're gonna get three different answers. We're overloaded with information. No one knows what they're measuring. Because we don't know what we're measuring, it's really, really hard to improve. Because it's hard to improve, it's hard to justify what action to take. All of these things in total, cyber's tough. It doesn't have to be this expensive thing that's like really hard to understand. In fact, like it should be whatever your destination is, like it should be easy to understand. And there should be clarity in the information that like that we strive to achieve. And really like at the end of the day, I think the message like I tried to leave with them is saying there's a lot of fear, uncertainty and doubt like within our industry. And the reason that exists The reason people create confusion is so that they can profit from a solution, right? Like that's, that's just our world. Like I'm not proud of it, but like that's the industry that we operate within today. And what I try to emphasize to them is like, it doesn't have to be that way, but it requires that you engage, you collaborate, you validate some of these approaches like Jack, and it doesn't have to be a perfect validation. It can be quick. It can be something that's 
that's cheap and inexpensive to test and you can fail fast. And so the idea of striving for a little bit more clarity and support the teams through collaboration to try to create a better outcome. There's that thing about races for everyone too, right? Yeah, there was that too. There was, um, we also at the end said everybody should have raises, extra bonuses, more time off, staff's gonna double, all those things. Yeah, that was in there also. Are there any other questions? From what I've seen from a kind of a security awareness perspective, I think the state overall does a good job, but what are y'all seeing other places doing? They're like, hey, that's the best practice. We, that's something we can tell other people about. You mentioned something this morning that I've seen some organizations do effectively, which is to help individuals within the organizations understand their role. So not just phishing tests, not just uh, traditional security awareness, but helping people to understand how important they are in terms of security. If they see something that looks anomalous, trying to find a way to make them feel personally responsible, sort of a strong term for it, but personally engaged in making the organization more secure has been a pretty effective tactic. You know, the, it, the testing tools are great, but for me, you know, what I've seen be more effective lately is combining those types of educational materials with sort of a mission statement, right? Around how all of us have a role to play. And your role is to watch your neighbor, you know, watch your stuff, watch your own system, watch your weird behavior, understand and teach them the whys of why policies exist, why they shouldn't be fetching personal email on state machines, why they shouldn't plug random devices into state networks, why they shouldn't stand up their own wireless network so that they can browse randomly. And help them understand it's not just a rule, there's a reason for it. And if in the course of doing any of that, we can give you a story, right? What he and I don't necessarily love to do is just tell stories of attacks that succeed. Because frankly, there's a trillion of them and it's kind of boring after 30 years, right? And it's all the same problems for 30 years. So not so excellent. However, if somebody says, why does it matter that I set up my own wireless network? It's not even connected to X or Y or Z. We can give you a story of how that hosed somebody. If somebody says, what does it matter? It's my personal, it's my personal email. It's on a different system. What, what's the big deal? We can give you a story of how it hosts somebody. So if at any point in time you're trying to communicate more effectively with folks about why some of the decisions they make that they don't understand have security ramifications, let us know. Let us help. Because there's a reason why these things aren't good ideas and we can help. My answer to that question, successful awareness programs that I've seen are ones that are non-traditional by our definition. And I want to preface this with, I think users are getting better. Like, I think they're better now than, than they ever have been because they've been kind of beaten over the head with like the no-befores of the world for the last five or six years. The best awareness programs I've seen are ones that apply to individuals on a personal basis. You have to create a mechanism where someone can put an emotional tag on them that appeals to them personally. That's the only way you're going to get that point across. And so to give you a real example, let's just say we, I have two laptops, right? Or you, you have two laptops. You have your work laptop and you have your home personal laptop. Your work laptop they gave to you for free. Your personal laptop, let's just say you went to Best Buy and you bought it for $2,000 and you, you paid up for the extra RAM and GPU and all this stuff you're going to do with it. You drop both of them. They both smash. Which one are you going to be most upset about? Your own. Your own. But in the course of taking care of your own and learning how to take care of your own, you're probably going to take care of the work one a little bit better. The awareness on how to secure your own stuff makes you better in the corporate sense too because things just become commonplace. 
And what happens from a security standpoint, you know, when we think about like security leadership is you have to create those programs that allow people to self-select the correct behavior when you are not around. The act of creating that program and all of the examples that come with that laptop are super hard to do and they are very time consuming. And I see very few people actually pull them off because it takes a little bit more effort and we're already busy enough as it is. But the ones who are able to create that program in a way that creates the emotional attachment for people so that they are self-selecting the behaviors that you want are the ones that are the most effective. Like I think the email phishing campaigns like have their place. It's like, it's a good check now and again, but like to me, that's not security awareness to me. Like that's just kind of like table stakes, checking your staff to make sure like people are conscious about how they answer your email. Like it's nothing more than that to me. So those are, that's what I see as a best practice. And like I said, that's a big ask to create that. It's huge. But depending on the type of organization you are, it may, may be worth it. Like, I wouldn't say it's, it's not for everybody. Like, there's going to be a driving need behind it. But the outcome of doing that is pretty significant. I, can, I could see the program where it's actually constructed to teach residents how to be more secure on their personal. And just because the fact that a lot of the team is going to work for the state is there, if we dedicate the resources of the state to helping all the residents be more secure, you may get your collateral incremental benefit of statewide security, right? Because they'll treat their work resources better. Yeah. yeah. Maybe there's a way home from here. Anything else? People have stopped making eye contact, so I think they're good. <laughs> we may be at the end. Well, thanks yeah. for having us. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for listening. As always, if you're looking for excellent cybersecurity help, just looking for general advice or how-tos, you can find us at info at newharborsecurity.com and we'll catch you on the next episode.